Let's turn together to Job chapter 3. Job chapter 3. If you look for the book of, of Psalms and then look thereafter, you'll find Job. Job chapter 3. Let's all rise for the reading of God's Word. I'm just going to read one verse, and that'll be the starting point of the message for this morning. Verse 26. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I am not at rest, but turmoil comes. Let's pray. Father, we ask that on this Ohana Sunday, you'll teach us something from your word about what it means to rest in you, what it means to build a margin in our lives. Thank you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, I'll be preaching approximately 12 more times before I retire. It was actually less than that, and we just expanded it a little bit. And I'll be doing a couple of series starting next year. And uh, in fact, it's been like nine weeks since I've been in the pulpit. And it seems, didn't seem, doesn't seem that long, but I thoroughly enjoyed the staff preaching through our transitional and transformational Bible study series. Now, during the time I'm preaching, and each time I preach, almost each time I preach, I'll be selecting special music and some of the worship songs during worship service. And so, as you can well expect, they'll be a little bit on the retro side. Right? Not too old, but retro. So this morning I asked my daughters to sing one of our favorite uh, duets that honoring the Lord. And so if they'll make their way up here. So this is, one, this actually, this is a song that actually blesses my wife tremendously. And she's not here today because she's speaking at a conference. But I told her we'd record it and she can listen to it on the, uh, on the app. But I hope this song, which speaks about God's faithfulness, what Jesus did for us, and the eternalness of our faith, will bless you as much as it does us. You know, we have just completed our all-church uh, Bible study entitled Transformational Transitions, Walking with God in the Seasons of Change. And we, host, we had a whole host of biblical principles that we learned during the course of the study together. Now, one of the things we discussed in our Bible study group was the fact that stress played a major role in how we deal with transitions that are going on in our lives. In fact, the changes that occur sometimes is the source of the stress that we experience. And we find that we don't have a whole lot of rest, which is one of the subunits that we studied, the idea of rest. And this morning I'd like to address the uh, subject of the busyness of our lives. The busyness of our lives. So it's not included in the transitional studies, but I just felt led by the Holy Spirit to share on this particular issue uh, this morning. Sometimes we don't handle transitions, the changes that are going on in our lives, because we're just too busy. We're too busy to stop and reflect. We're too busy just to pause and rest. And so sometimes the changes in our lives and the transitions and the ho hopeful transformations which are to transpire don't take full effect. We are constantly on the go and sometimes we just have no rest. The stress it produces may disable us from experiencing all that God has intended for us. So I'd like to spend a few moments this morning and address it. In fact, it's a little bit more than a few moments this morning. First, let's take a look at the busyness of life. The busyness of life and see if you can identify with this. Now, Job said in chapter 3, verse 26, I am not at ease, nor am I quiet and I am not at rest, but turmoil comes. 
Now, in the midst of turmoil, Job experienced the bottom of the J-curve. Now, for those of you who are in the study, you know what I'm talking about. The bottom of the J-curve. For those of you who do not, if you access our sermons two weeks ago, Pastor John shared about this. And it's a good study. It's a good uh, message that he delivered. But this is uh, Job's lament, which we studied early in our series. Job was saying when he was experiencing death before resurrection, which is part of the J-curve, Uh, He declared that he had no quiet, he had no peace, he declared that he had no rest. That sound like you? Are you in a season in your life where you just don't have a whole lot of rest? You're just so active and you're so busy running from one thing to the next. Consider these statistics. People now sleep about two to three hours fewer each night than our great-grandparents did. Remember, that was sort of an agrarian society. You rose up when it was dawn, and you went to bed right after dark, after a full day's work. It's really from five to six hours in 2017. I read a survey on this, or study on this, compared to eight hours back in the day. The average work week is longer now than it was in 1960. The average office worker has almost 40 hours of work piled up on his or her desk. Think about where you work. How much work is piled up on your desk that you need to get to? We spend about eight months of our lives opening junk mail. Two years of our lives playing social media tag with people who are busy or, are not, or who are not answering. Five years of waiting for people who are trying to do too much and are late to most of their meetings. A lot of people have way too much activity in their lives. Is that you? Overload comes when we have too much activity in our lives. Too much change, too many choices. Too much work, too much debt. Too much media exposure. We're stressed by information overload. We're stressed by accessibility overload. We're connected all the time. Now, I was just thinking about this the other day. When I was growing up and into my early adulthood, The only way you can contact me is by mail, you send a letter. Or if I was near a landline telephone. Other than that, there was no way of getting a hold of me. Now I have a smartphone. People get in contact with me all the time, which makes my life busier. I remember when I first got a pager. That was a big thing. How many of you young people? people know what a pager is? I mean, how many of you do not know what a pager is? Raise your hand. Oh, okay, well, they're very young. I I remember when I got a pager because I wanted my family to be able to contact me when I was in meetings. And they were the only ones that had the number of the pager. And then we got an answer machine, a real modern device. And that was so we could have a quiet dinner, and if a phone call came in that was important, it would be recorded, and I could get to it after dinner so we can maintain the integrity of our family meal. Now, boy, I mean, it's, you could, with a smartphone, you have no rest. Right? So once in a while, I just turn it off and put it aside. And then people think I'm ignoring them. Right? I'm not. <laughs> Simply put, we're stressed by the pace of life, And transitional transformation can succumb to the stress and strain of it all. 
So I'm going to encourage everyone to put a margin or build a margin in your life. A margin in your life. Let's look at the benefits of putting margin in our lives. The benefit of putting margin in your life. Mark 2.27, Jesus gives us a teaching. He said this, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath was created by God so that humanity could have one day a week of rest. Rest, relaxation, and worship of the Lord. Now, the context of this passage is a dialogue between Jesus and the Pharisees, who were critical of Jesus allowing his disciples to pick grain on the Sabbath, which was considered work. So he was being criticized. And that's when Jesus says, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Now, Jesus stated that the Sabbath was created by God for all humanity. He intended humanity to take one day off every week. From the macro standpoint, God was building a margin into our lives. The Sabbath was a built-in margin for the week. God designed us to have margins in our lives. We are not created to go 24-7, 365. We're created for times of rest. So what's a margin? What is a margin? A margin is breathing room. It's keeping a little reserve that you're not using up. It's not going from one thing to the next with no space in between. Think about your daily life. Do you go from one thing to the next with no time in between, barely making what you have next up on your calendar, or maybe getting a little bit late? You get late for that one, which makes you late for the one after that, and so forth and so on. No margin, no breathing room. No margin for error in our lives. And this starts pretty young. Dr. Richard A. Swenson, MD, wrote this. He's a physician and researcher and author. The conditions of modern-day living devour margin. If you're homeless, we direct you to a shelter. If you're penniless, we offer you food stamps. If you're breathless, we can connect you to oxygen. But if you're marginless, we give you one more thing to do. Being marginless is 30 minutes late to the doctor's office because you were 20 minutes late getting out of the hairdresser, because you were 10 minutes late dropping off the children at school, because the car ran out of gas two blocks from the gas station and you forgot your purse. That's marginless. Margin, on the other hand, is having a breath at the top of the stairs, money at the end of the month, and sanity left over at the end of adolescence. I don't know if he's talking about the parent or the uh, adolescent. I think it's the parent. Margin is grandma taking the baby for the afternoon. Margin is having a friend help carry the burden. Marginless is not having time to finish the book you're reading on stress. Margin is having the time to read it twice. Marginless is our culture. Margin is counterculture. Having some space in your life and schedule. Marginless is the disease of our decade and margin is the cure. Well, this is really hard to do. Here's four benefits of building a margin in your life. Four benefits, four distinct benefits if you can build a little bit of margin in your life. Living on a margin brings peace of mind. Living on a margin brings you peace of mind. When you're not hurrying and worrying all the time, you have time to think, you have time to relax, 
you have time to enjoy life. The psalmist wrote this, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalm 4.8. See, there's a relationship between rest and peace as disclosed by the psalmist. There is nothing better than a peaceful night's sleep. And that's, isn't that right? A hard day's work, a marginless day's work, and you're ready for a peaceful night of sleep. Only problem is many Americans suffer from insomnia, the inability to sleep. I read a 2017 study, and um, I referred to it earlier. It said, estimates that 48% of Americans suffer from insomnia occasionally. Almost one in two suffer from the inability to sleep at night occasionally. 22% say they have insomnia every night or almost every night. They have an inability to sleep almost every night. Yeah, the 22 and a 48, what do you get? 70% of Americans suffer from the inability to sleep all or some of the time. Is that you? Or do you blame it on a cup of coffee you drank late in the afternoon? It's a sign that you lack peace in your life. It's a sign that you're like Job. I mean, I have no rest. I'm in turmoil. And so sometimes it's very hard to fall asleep at night, even though you're so tired. So living on a margin brings you peace of mind. Living on a margin leads to better health. Unrelenting stress harms the body. There is study after study after study that tells you that. Too much stress is bad for your health. Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Weighs him down means you develop health issues, whether it's physical, emotional, mental. It's the weight that bears a person down. So we all know that stress harms the body, yet we continue to live with it day after day after day. For many people, a forced margin occurs after a heart attack or after some ailment occurs in your life. Hypertension. You get hypertension, go see the doctors. You've been, you've got to slow down. And so you're forced to start to live on a margin. But most people only live on a margin for a short period of time, and they revert back to their old ways. Stress, once again, resulting. Every creature God created knows it needs rest. You know, they don't go to school for this. They don't listen to sermons for this. They just know they need to rest. Ants are considered amongst the busiest of all creatures. You know, busy ants, busy bees and busy ants. Although ants seem like they are constantly in motion, it turns out they can sleep more than 200 times a day. So the average ant, especially the worker ant, sleeps about 200 times every day. This is their trick. They sleep in one-minute intervals. <laughs> That's a power nap. Right? So as busy as ants are, they take these moments throughout the day to catch one hour, uh, one hour, one minute of sleep. Everything in creation that God created, every animal sleeps, sleeps. Living on the margin promotes stronger relationships. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says this. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. 
not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, the writer of Hebrews here is talking about the church coming together. However, the principle is it's impossible to encourage one another unless you come together, unless you meet as often as you can. Living on a margin promotes that. You know, we are so busy in our daily lives that we fail to even meet with our family around the thing called the dinner table. Just too busy. And what happens? Relationships get broken. What happens if you live on a margin and can meet in those times? It builds stronger relationships. Fourthly, living on a margin enhances our availability to God. When we're overloaded by activity, we can only think about the things we are doing and think about ourselves. When we are in survival mode, man, we're just trying to make it through the next day. And then somebody asks you, can you serve the Lord in this way? And what do you say? I said, no way. I don't have enough time. Thereby perhaps denying yourself of some incredible blessing God wants to grant you by serving him. But we can't do it because we don't have any margin in our lives. Think of Mary and Martha. Which one was so busy that she couldn't sit and listen to the Lord? Well, the other had a built-in margin to sit at Jesus' feet. Let me share with you some ways of building a margin in your life. Right? So think about your own life right now. Are you really, really busy? So busy that you, rarely, you can barely make it to your next thing? Or are you a person that has a little bit of margin in their life? Here's a way to build margin in your life. First of all, we need to accept our limitations. Accept our limitations. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 119, 96. I have seen a limit to all perfection. That commandment is exceedingly broad. Now, Psalm 119 is about the Word of God and its perfection. It is without error. Verse 96 tells us that the limitlessness of God's word covers our limitations. His word is limitless. And it covers all the areas where we have limits and sometimes fall and fail because of it. In Job chapter 14, verse 5, this is what the Bible says. Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with thee, and his limits thou hast set so that he cannot pass. Here, Job is speaking about the finality of death. Death is the ultimate limitation of human beings. We can't do everything, even in the scope of the time God gives us to live here on earth. We all have our limits. We have our mental limits. We have our emotional limits. We have our physical limits. We have our time limitations. We have our space limitations. We can't be two places in once or at once. God has given human beings gauges to help us recognize our limits. Now, we confront gauges all the time in our lives, and they help us. This is a gauge you see all the time. It's in your car. What does it tell you? It tells you when you have gasoline in the tank or when you're running on empty. All of you young people who are around the age of 16, once you start driving, make sure every day when you turn on the engine, because it only works when the engine's on, look at this gauge. 
and make sure you have gas in the car. If not, ask your parents for money. All right. <laughs> ask your dad, he'll go fill it up for you, right? This is the one gauge you make sure you check every day because it tells you the limitation of your car. No gas, no gasoline, no fuel. You're not going anywhere or you're not getting to where you want to go. We have human gauges. God has, has built into us human gauges. Pain is a human gauge. Fatigue is a human gauge. Stress is a human gauge. Joylessness is a human gauge. Irritability is a human gauge. You know, like Don Julian, you know, your teachers are working together along with staff. What's your, what, what are your limitations as, as staff and as teachers? There's built-in gauges there. Is there irritability? Right? Even here in the church, we have some built-in human gauges that tell us whether or not we are reaching our limit. Maybe we're running on empty. Pre-1977, I was super busy. It was a super busy time in my life. Raising a family, uh, daughters were in high school, I was coaching volleyball and basketball. I was pastoring the church. We were in the midst of a hive. All right, this is back at the old church, 77, 97, what did I say? 77? I'm thinking of my retirement, man. It's 97, 1997. By the way, everything happens in 10 years with me in ministry. 77, I got called. 87, we moved from East Los Angeles. 97, we hived the church. 2007, we bought this property. And 2017, found my successor. So it's happened every 10 years. All right. Um, what was I talking about? <laughs> I, I lose track every 10 years or so too. <laughs> ah, yes. It was a real stressful time in my life. I was walking up the stairs. That's why I know it was at the Rosemead site. Somebody was walking behind me and said, Pastor Corey, you're developing a bald spot. <laughs> I said, thank you very much. <laughs> but you know, there's one thing about going bald and what that looks like, this was a bald patch. And I said, it was different. It's like I had this patch that was bald. And I knew that is a human gauge. I'm under too much stress. So I had to do something about it. When my mother passed away, I started having heart palpitations. That was a human gauge telling me, man, there's something wrong in your life right now even more so than just your mom passing away. What human gauge has been activated in your life? Are you bickering more at home? Are you having more difficulty coping with your children or your baby? Right. Are you not getting stuff done at work where you normally do? Those are all gauges that there's something going on in your life. Is there a gauge going on? You know, when the gas tank gets Almost empty, that blue light goes on, right? Saying, you got about 60 miles to go or 30 miles to go. That's a hint. Look at the gauge. Something's going on. And you got to fill up your gas before it goes empty. Is there something going on in your life right now that is setting off a human gauge in your life? More irritable, more stress, can't sleep, sleep too much. Maybe you need to build a margin in your life. This thing that God calls rest. So we need to accept our limitations. We can't be all things to all people. 
We can't do everything people ask us. We need to learn to say no and wisely say no and wisely say yes. We need to anticipate problems. We need to anticipate problems. In John 16:33, Jesus says this, very poignant words. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. He says he'd come to bring peace. Why do we need peace? Because there is trouble in the world. Anticipate it. James 1, 2, James wrote, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. We studied this in the transition series, James 1, 2. It doesn't say if trials come. What does he say? When trials come. Everything is not smooth sailing no matter where you are in your life or what facet of your life you may be thinking about. Things just don't always go well. Maybe we need to build a margin in our lives. And the way we do that is we just anticipate problems. So you build a margin in. One time I was scheduled to do a wedding rehearsal in West Los Angeles. Now I used to drive from San Gabriel Valley to UCLA. So I knew what the drive was like in the morning. This was an evening rehearsal. And so I figured, well, 45 minutes, okay, we get there in an hour. Now this is pre-GPS. Pre, isn't GPS a wonderful thing? tells you this is how long it's going to take you to get there, and it's pretty, pretty close, unless something happens. So we got on the freeway, and it, I was one hour late, because <laughs> there, there was a traffic problem on the 10 going out to West L.A. I was sweating BBs. Now I was sweating bullets. I was so nervous, right, because I was going to be late to the rehearsal. I didn't build in sufficient margin, so now I get plenty of margin. But now I check GPS, and then I add 30 minutes, anticipating that, hey, there could be a traffic jam that GPS can't anticipate. Right. Building in a margin. I've, only, I've never been late to a wedding. I go to a wedding like an hour and a half early. Right. I want to build in a margin so I won't be late to the wedding. It's really bad when there's a wedding and the pastor doesn't show up. <laughs> I had a minute. I, this, you, know what I, you know when I built this in? I had a pastor friend that failed to show up at a wedding. Because the rehearsal was four months earlier because the guy was in the military and he was on furlough and he was coming back to get married and he forgot all about it and didn't show up. That has haunted me the entire career, my entire pastor. I double check, I triple check, I quadruple check wedding dates and rehearsals. And I always build a margin into it. Building a margin gives you wiggle room in your life. We need wiggle room in our life. I prep sermons and they're done by Thursday morning, and I send them to the office for print. All right? Everything's done. It's done well enough to preach it Thursday, just in case something happens Friday, Saturday, and I can't get around to reviewing the message. When I was young as in the pastorate, I wrote some Saturday night specials. <laughs> I confess it before the Lord in you. Some of you who've been here for 40 years, you got Saturday night specials. Right? That's what we used to call them. Pastors called them Saturday night specials. You're so busy during the week that, oh, I forgot to write the sermon. Now I'm very diligent about writing it early because sometimes I had one Saturday night, Saturday, when somebody ended up in the hospital Saturday night. And I had to go to L.A. County Hospital to stay with them for hours. And I had a sermon to deliver that wasn't written yet. I had not built any margin in my life. 
You want to know what happened? I, I got up that Sunday morning, and I just preached off the top of my head. And fortunately, the Holy Spirit was also at the top of my head. Because <laughs> it turned out okay. I preached a message, a, a text that I was very familiar with. And after that, I thought, i got to start prepping earlier and be diligent about it. This is to all the interns, okay? Because right. you never know what happens. But if you lead a marginless life and something happens, it sabotages all that you plan on doing regarding that one thing. So we need to accept our limitations. We need to anticipate problems. And thirdly, we need to allot space in our schedule. We need to allot space in our schedule. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 says this, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but not, I will not be mastered by anything. What he's saying is that everything is good. You got all kinds of good stuff in your schedule. But every once in a while, you need to prune stuff from your schedule to include other good stuff that God is calling you to do. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under, the, under heaven. Unless you book yourself out so much, there is no time left under heaven to schedule anything else or to even get behind. Ecclesiastes 10.15 says, The toil of a fool so wearies him that he does not even know how to go to the city or to a city. You can overwork yourself. Now, we believe in a work ethic. God teaches a work ethic. But we need to build a margin. We need to rest more than we possibly do. Pruning activities creates margin. Pruning activities create margin. There's a story of a guy who came home from work, and his little kindergarten daughter asked him why he was working so hard. Why does he have to bring home work? So he was bringing his, home, his, his work home. He looked at her and said, I just don't get it finished. I just don't get it finished at work. So I need to bring it home and get it done. You know what the little girl said? He looked up, he looked up, she looked up at her father and said, Daddy, I think they should put you in a slower group. <laughs> Remember that in school? The slower group, fast group, slower group. You need to be put in a slower group, Dad. Because you can't keep up at work. So be in the slower group at work. You know, sometimes we need to put ourselves in the slower group. Remember my balding spot that I talked about? Once I admitted that I was under stress, I knew that I had to recognize my limitations and the trials that confronted me at that season of life, and I had to a lot more time in my schedule. I need to rest more and create more margin in my life and attend to the important things like my family and my marriage and the church. Soon thereafter, I quit coaching volleyball and basketball after my girls graduated, and that was right when they graduated. They asked me to continue to coach at the high school, both sports, but I told them I could not, and the reason being, I needed more margin in my life. I needed those two hours or three hours every day freed up during those two seasons. Sometimes you have to say no to things that are really good and that you enjoy doing in order to create a margin in your life, to prune away activities so that you have that margin to work with. Are you willing to accept your limitations? Have you adequately anticipated problems and the challenges that may confront you? Are you willing to allow the Lord to prune your schedule in a wise fashion? In the midst of transition that transform, along with the stress and strain that comes with it, are you willing to rest in the Lord? Now, ultimate rest comes from salvation and through salvation. That's the ultimate rest that the Bible talks about. Resting in the Lord, 
means that you have salvation in Jesus Christ. How do you obtain that salvation? By confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior, saying, you know, I have my limitations. I have my problems. I have sin in my life. I am disobedient. And I need forgiveness. And I need a fresh start. And I need you, Jesus. I need your rest. The rest that I can only find in your salvation. For the Lord is my salvation. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and you're at that point in life where you're just stressed out, you're so busy, and you, would, you need the rest that comes with the Lord, I'd like to invite you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning. I say, you know, I know my limitations. I also know that I can't get to heaven by myself. I need you, Jesus. You died on a cross. And as a result, I have forgiveness of my sins. You rose from the grave, showing me that I can rise too with you for all eternity. And now I want to live an abundant life here on earth that you assure me I can have if I commit myself to following you. So I'd like you to make a commitment today to begin your journey with Jesus Christ by accepting him as Lord and Savior. Would you pray with me? If you've never asked Jesus to be in your life, would you please pray, pray this prayer along with me, making it your own. The Lord will hear it, he will honor it, and he will respect it. This is the prayer. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I ask you into my life as my Lord and Savior. You are God. You are God's Son. Thank you for your death. Thank you for your resurrection. Now close off your prayer with an amen. And with all heads bowed and eyes closed with exception of our pastors, if you prayed that prayer with me on this Ohana Sunday, praise God. And would you please lift your hand up high so we can see it and support you in your commitment of faith. Raise your hand and raise it high so we can see it. Thank you. Anybody else? Raise your hand and raise it high. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of being able to, to, to know that there are those who have confessed their faith in Jesus Christ today. And we rejoice with all the angels in heaven at their confession of faith. Thank you. Thank you. We bless you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.